Good morning, church. Well, I thought Rucker was going to get in trouble there for a minute, Kellett, because he was going after Dollar General. Now, come on. You don't quit preaching and went to Medlin when you start talking about Dollar General, right? Well, yeah, uh, I do shop there. I know. That's where you got this yeah. outfit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he pulled it out of the fire. Uh, great points because I thought, man, $5 billion for ringtones. We need to up the ante a little bit for the Lord, right? It made me think, though, one of our podcast listeners uh, sent me an email and said, do you think it would be possible for that guy in your church that says Jesus, could we get that on a ringtone? <laughs> so, I, Kurt, I thought he was talking to you. I think it's a great idea. Can you imagine waiting rooms around America when Kurt comes in with a big Jesus right there? There you go. Somebody record that. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, welcome, welcome home. Uh, welcome to our uh, live stream folks all over the country, as well as our other assembly across the way. And so uh, we're just we're just glad to be here. Uh, Al, good to have you home. We got a good study lined up to head out. We're starting in the book book of Luke today, and so we're going to dive in to see uh, what the doctor says. So i I, I got to give a shout out. Uh, this is Shamberly Edgerton uh, came up with this graphic. How about a little bit of a round of applause for this fantastic graphic? <clears throat> it captures so beautifully uh, Luke's perspective, which we're going to talk about uh, in the gospel, which I think is fantastic. You know, Al, we, uh, uh, you know, we got, Al's great at, by the way, doing sermon notes and making sure we have everything uh which means i just do notes because kellett does them on a waffle house napkin that's where he does some of his best work that's true but i appreciate him (laughs) typing them all up getting us but we have kids that are doing sermon notes that's what i hear and so uh i think we have a couple up there to show let's see uh I like this one over here on the right. Let's start with this. So this is from Larry Bowles' sermon last week, and any kid that can keep up with LB, I mean, my hat's off to him, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, And I I love the fact, one, they checked all the things you're supposed to do today. Like six checks on the ready to listen to the Bible. I'm ready to listen to the Bible. They're like, yeah, that's good. They are ready. That's the holy roar she's got going there. That's pretty impressive. With the angel, we got uh, things happening there uh, uh, from heaven, so... uh, he was ready to listen to Larry. Now, this one I love because it's like Jesus has brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Which, that's pretty good because you can miss that, right? Well, I know the problem with uh, uh, Al because it's, she, she did the first part. You look at the check that scratched my head, did that. Yeah. No check for brought my Bible to church. Of course. No check for prayed for my pastor. Uh-oh. But she did apologize. She did apologize. Sorry, guys. There you go. <laughs> well, thank you for that. I like it. I, I think this is a great trend to keep our kids engaged, right? Uh, amen to that, which is good. And speaking of kids, Ava Bass, 12 years old. If you'll come on up, Ava, she's going to read our scripture today. There we go. Apparently there's some Ava fans in the house. Good morning. I don't know. You can read it right off of mine if you want to. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. There you go. Excellent. How about a round of applause? Oh, wait a minute before you leave. She's got a fan on the front row. So i got to ask you something, Ava. This is to help us later. In our, this is just a little way for me to poll. 
you're 12 years old, do you like to go to the doctor? Um, I guess I don't mind it. It's not like I look for- forward to it like, yes, yeah. I get to go to the doctor. <laughs> you know, it's not bad. It's not horrible. Okay, that's good. What's the thing you like the least about going to the doctor? Um... So I have a baby brother, and every time I go to the doctor, I have to see him get shots. And it actually makes me cry because he's crying. So <laughs> Very empathetic. All right, give it up for Ava. Excellent. That got the information I needed. <clears throat> Thank you, Ava. She wasn't aware I was going to ask her that. She did great. And so, of course, Luke uh, is what we're beginning today. We're super excited about this. And Luke was a doctor, uh, and he wrote the book of Luke as well as the book of Acts. And so uh, the reason I asked Ava about that is because most of us will say we don't like to go to the doctor, right? And most kids will say, for the reasons she described, even though she's very brave, for her little brother, shots, right? Uh, I never mind other people get them. Right. Well, she's much more empathetic than you are. Uh, right. Well, that's the reason why we started out. We hate to go to the doctor because of shots. Well, here's what's going to happen for those of you that are younger than me. There's going to come a time when you go to the doctor now, you wish you were going for shots. <laughs> because later, the things they do to you is worse than shots. I'm going to tell you right now. I thought about how to go into it today, but I can't give you any specifics. But I'll just put it this way. I went into the doctor, and it's Dr. Murphy, so it's a man, Dr. Paul Murphy, great guy. I'd been with Dad before, so I kind of knew what to expect. But I had to go myself. They said, well, you can't see Dr. Murphy today because he's in surgery, but you can see his physician's assistant. I said, that's fine, whoever. Send him on out here. And they said, Hannah will be right out to see you. I thought in my mind, that's a strange name for a man. (laughs) But in this day and age, right, you never know. So in walks Hannah, a 28-year-old beautiful young woman ready to do what she had to do to me. And she asked if I was ready, and I said, well, not really. (laughs) But on your way over here, don't trip on my dignity, which is laying at the end of this table. So that's what you got to look forward to when you get my age, just so you know. Well, Al, it gets worse because... uh... It can't get worse. (laughs) Well, it gets worse. Oh, boy. I did have to go a few years back and do the colon scope thing. And so when I get to the doctor's office and they wheel me back in there, uh, in all your pride, uh, all of a sudden a young lady who's in my house church is the nurse. You're right. That's worse. (laughs) That's worse. I've lost all shame, so it's just. Man, there's nowhere this series can go but up from where we started. (laughs) But we don't like to go to the doctor, right? And yet we're calling this series just what the doctor ordered because Luke has a unique perspective. Uh, I think because of his, you know, him being a physician, but also him being a Greek. And so his gospel is a little bit unique. Uh, Mark is uh which was probably the first gospel written was peter's point of view and it was a very abridged version i mean it was very short 
uh, Matthew came along, and his was very Jewish. I mean, it was about uh, fulfillment of prophecy, fulfillment of law. You could tell he was specifically targeting a Jewish audience. John comes along, and him being the one that, that Jesus loved, he gives a very personal uh, story and mo- mostly focuses on the last few days of Jesus' life. I mean, he just gets right into it. And then you come to Luke. And what Mike and I love so much about Luke is he, he gives such a broad perspective. Obviously, he's a Gentile, uh, but he's also not only just a physician, but an evangelist. I mean, he wants to share with people. And so he wants the Greek people to know who this Jesus is. And so he talks a lot about undesirables and untouchables and people in the society that other people would easily overlook. But Luke's going to highlight those. And so as we go through this study for the next few months, we're super excited about the idea that the gospel of Jesus is for everybody. Can you say amen to that? Because yeah. that's what really we're all about. So let's read a little bit the first four verses of this book. Actually, in the Greek, it's actually just one sentence. All four verses are. And he says this. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you've been taught. So when Luke decides to write this, he, the very thing he tells us is introduction. He wants he wants Theophilus, who this uh, this man actually the name means uh, lover of God. So if you love God here today, this letter's to you. Got it? Uh, and he, matter of fact, he, he writes him in the Book of Acts too. But so he tells him he wants to be certain in his faith. He wants him to be confident in these basic things of who Jesus is and what he's done. And it comes about very in a very orderly way, as you would expect in detail from a, from this doctor, uh, and about the eyewitnesses and the things that occurred. Uh, he's going to really do a great job through this book, laying out who Jesus is. Now, remember, they they didn't they didn't learn they didn't do like we do. We say, well, give me a minute, let me write that down. They're not sitting there with pencil and paper. They're hearing things. They're learning by memorizing. And so when he brings things up in their mind, they've memorized tons and tons of things about who Jesus is and how to live. The Old Testament's what they did, right? You drilled that into your kids, and they got it in their heart and mind. They could memorize and say things. We, we don't really learn like that much anymore. Sometimes we tend to think that if we're more recent education, we're smarter, but that's not really necessarily true. Uh, but uh, but he writes this in a way that he wants them to get every detail, and he wants them to get it in their heart. I love it that he says he investigated it so that the instruction would be complete by eyewitness report. So, I mean, that sounds like a doctor, right? Uh, this Greek word here for eyewitness is the same word for autopsy. I mean, that we're going to look at this thing very carefully. This is, these are life and death situations that we're talking about. So I love that he approaches it that way. But you know what I love right off the bat? He does here in Luke and also in Acts, is he singles out Theophilus. And he says, this is for you. And a lot of people might look at that and say, well, if it's for him, why do I need to pay attention? But here's what I, here's what I love what Luke does. 
just draw a blank line there. This happened to be Theophilus, a guy that he was trying to reach and show and strengthen in his faith. And put your name in the blank. That's the idea. The good news of Jesus is for you. And if you were the only one that was ever born, or if you were the only one that survived an apocalypse, Jesus' good news would still be for you, for me. And so that helps so much because, you know, we, we wind up getting in, a, in, a, in our cultural wars that we have, and everybody's one big monolithic, and you're a part of a group, and, and everybody believes this because you're that. And it's easy to miss the idea that God loves each and every one of us. And he wants everyone to come to repentance. And there's something very special about you as an individual. And I love that he starts his book off this way. I'm concerned for you. I want your faith to be strengthened. And that helps every one of us because it's easy sometimes to be part of a large collective, become part of a community. And I say, you know what? The church does this. The church does that. And we don't ever look at ourselves in our own heart, in our own life. It begins with me. And when they, uh, when he mentions this eyewitness, this is a word actually where we get our word autopsy. It's a diving in and all the details are revealed. It's investigated. It's looked into. He's not, uh, uh, he's not making this up. He's making this clear. Yep. Because one of the accusations about these guys, well, y'all are just making this stuff up about Jesus. No, he's not making it up. He's making it very plain, very simple, and very clear. And he says he investigated it carefully. Well, you know, I would want my doctor, whatever he did, I'd want him to do it with care, right? You want him to be careful about what he's doing. And Luke has this aspect. He really wants to make sure he gets everything right so that we understand. Now, this gospel story uh, is, is intended to provide this certainty of faith. He does not want us to doubt. Now, how many of us have been in those situations where all of a sudden we are doubting maybe who Jesus is or, or we wonder, really, is he there? I've been through a hard time. I've been praying. I'm not hearing from him. And, and all the things that Satan does to kind of lay doubt out in front of us, uh, he, doesn't want us he doesn't want us to doubt who he is. You know, Dr. Ben Carson was here. We asked him this on the podcast, you know, because there's a lot of this now with diversity and trying to spread it across these professions. And I said, Dr. Carson, I mean, you're a very renowned surgeon. When you go in to see a doctor yourself, do you want it to be based on diversity or training? You know, and he said, I think I prefer training. You know, he's so understated. And first time I met Dr. Carson, Someone asked him, they said, do you think you can handle HUD, which was what he did in the Trump administration? He said, well, it's not brain surgery. <laughs> I want my doctor to be the best, right? Because he understands life and death situations. When it comes to the good news of Jesus, it's life and death. Our response is eternal life and death decisions. So he says, not only is it for you personally, But it is intended for your certainty, the certainty of what you believe, which is so powerful. And we know that the gospel story, it it checks every single box, historically accurate, right? As Dad famously says, we count time by Jesus, right? 
I mean, there was B.C. and there was A.D. and O. Domini. We understand what that meant. Some, some people came along and said, well, we're not going to acknowledge that anymore, so we're just going to call it C.E., Common Era. And we're going to call everything before that, before the Common Era, B.C.E. You say, well, where's, what does that mark in time? Well, it's still Jesus, but we're just going to rename it something else. Jesus still marks our time. That's how big a deal that he was. And you read all the historians of his day, Josephus and many other Jewish historians, they acknowledge this man that came to this earth that did things that other people couldn't explain. Whether they believed him or not, he was here. And we know why. And you cannot deny the historical facts about Jesus. But we don't want to just have the facts. We want the fact of what he did to turn people's hearts toward God. But even all the archaeological finds, all the historical backing of who he was, he was also the fulfillment of everything written in the Old Testament prophets and the, and the witnesses they had back then. Right. Jesus fulfilled everything that was written about who he was, whether it was in the book of Daniel, uh, Zechariah chapter 6, Isaiah 53. All these things describe Jesus. And then when he comes on the scene, he is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. That you may know with certainty that which you have believed. You say, well, Alan, Mike, why, why do you need such certainty? Well, let me tell you why. You need certainty of the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done in your life because we are against an enemy that whispers in people's ears, did God really say? That's why we have to have certainty. That's what our enemy does. He creates doubt. We have an enemy that because of him, as in Job 1 and 2, a messenger will come and give you bad news. And while you're still listening, another messenger will come and give you bad news. And while you're still listening, another messenger will come and give you bad news. That's what happened in Job's life. Imagine the life of Job. If you were in a doctor's office and they were telling you you had cancer, stage four, and giving you a time limit from their perspective. And all of a sudden somebody walks in and says, and oh, by the way, your child was just killed in a terrible accident. And while you were still listening, someone else came in and said, oh, by the way, your house just burnt down. That's what happened to him. And every bit of that came about because of the evil one that is against us. Do you think certainty matters when you get news like that? The only way we can be ready for bad news, whatever it is, is if we have certainty that Jesus Christ has redeemed me, has shown me that I can live beyond the grave, and that I will be with him forever. That's the only thing I know that will answer. And we'll walk through life saying we have certainty, saying we don't have any doubts, until something hits us, and then all of a sudden we have to really examine that faith that we have. Uh, you know, I... I I saw Chad Johnson a few minutes this morning. Uh, I know he got in like at, at 5 in the morning, so Al, he has permission to sleep during our sermon. Uh, but uh, uh, this week there was a tornado hit Matador, Texas, 
Uh, you may have seen some of it on the news, and uh, it, uh, that's where Chad's sister lives. And so uh, he loaded up the truck early this week. We put some supplies in the back end, and he took off and went there to help them. A tornado came. That family put themselves in the basement in the corner, and they huddled over the little little one that was with them, still in the car seat, I think, is what they, Chad told me. And the tornado totally took the house away, just destroyed it. Even the roof that was covering the basement just left them sitting there exposed. But they were okay. Wow. Other businesses that were just totally wiped off, nothing left but just boards and and just rolled up metal. The power of a, a power of a tornado. And by the way, we're going to be helping Chad. We're going to be helping with our relief ministry through that. And if you guys want to help Chad's uh, family in that way, uh, you can you can uh, check with us. We'll be taking donations to try to help uh, help help those families out but all of a sudden when something like that hits then it's the doubts can really creep in is God really with me but sometimes we don't know really out with confidence and certainty that God is with us until we have something like that and then we know in the middle of tragedy in the middle of trauma in the middle of losing everything all of a sudden we find the one thing we we don't lose is God because the certainty of who Jesus is is a reality in our lives regardless of the outside things that are happening. And we need to know that and put faith in who Jesus Christ is. Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We need to have certainty. And that's what Jesus brings us. You see, in the gospel story, Luke tells us Jesus is everything we need. It's all there. And that's what we're going to look at in the coming months. Jesus is the Son of God and the Son of Man. As Larry and I both have preached on recently. You're going to see that quite a bit in Luke. He was born of a woman. He's fully human. And yet he's the son of God. He's fully divine. Unique for us. The only way we could experience salvation. And I love that moment when he was beginning his ministry in Luke chapter 3. When we get there. As he was baptized to fulfill prophecy and scripture. And he came up out of that water, and all of a sudden you see that sky part, and you hear that voice, this is my son whom I love. And that Holy Spirit comes down, and there's our opportunity for salvation. And because we know that, and even in our own moments, we know that new birth puts us into his kingdom, we now know with certainty that we will live forever. What a blessing in Christ. So you're going to see in the book of Luke, you're going to see the first part of it, 1 through 6, also in chapters 10 through 19, that that Luke shows us Jesus as the self-fulfilling prophet. Then we're going to see in Luke 7 through 9, 
Uh, he shows Jesus as the self-sacrificing priest. Then, in 19 through 24, of course, the great story of the, the end of the life, you, G, uh, Luke shows us Jesus as that self-anointed king of kings. Yes. And God himself. As he wraps up who Jesus is, the power of who he is, the resurrection of this one, who fulfills everything that was ever said about him, and the hope that we have because his body came out of the ground. And when he came out of the ground, he went back to heaven to take care of us. But before he did, he gave us some marching orders. And we're to be able to get out there with the good news of who he is. And we're to do it with confidence. Now remember when he gave the Great Commission in Matthew. He gathered them all up. He tells them to go in all the world and and make disciples and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. and, And I'll be with you to the very end of the age. The very beginning of that, he says the disciples, some of them had fear. Some of them doubted. Yet he gave the great commission to doubting people. They didn't doubt who he was. They really doubted themselves. Some of your, some of your biggest struggles, some of my biggest struggles is doubting. Look, if God says you are forgiven, then you are forgiven. That's right. Don't let Satan strap on your back guilt and shame that should already have been dealt with and be gone. Don't be pulling that around you. When the disciples were called to follow Jesus, he said they dropped their nets and left. Our problem is we're still dragging some nets behind us. And they get caught on guilt and shame and a bunch of other stuff in our lives that we can't let them go. Look, you're forgiven. Let it go. Yeah, it's a tough thing. We, we understand it intellectually many times before we get it here in the heart, right? It's a long distance from here to here. But God can cover your shame, forgive your sin, and raise you up to do great things for, the, for His kingdom. Don't doubt Jesus, and don't doubt that he can't use you for a powerful purpose. He has given us everything we need. Peter says in Second Peter 1, He's given us this for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. It's not our ability. If we're messing up, if we're falling short, it's something we're doing, not him. He's given you everything you need. You just have to get clarity. I love it in Luke 5:31 because Luke, who's a doctor, quotes Jesus as saying this. You know, there's why do you why do you with sinners? Why do you with tax collectors? Why are you associating with those people? That was the questions he was getting from the religious world. And Jesus said this in Luke 5:31: It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's us. We're the sick. We're not righteous because of ourselves. We're just sinners. We're just beggars who found bread, the bread of life. And we found the perfect drink, the water of life that flows from Jesus. That's what he did for us. And so we don't know how you came here today, or maybe you're watching from somewhere around the country. 
and you've come now to Jesus and you're saying, man, I understand the sickness, this spiritual sickness I have. I, I need his care. I need what he brings to me. Today is a day to surrender yourself to him, to accept the great physician who can heal all things in all time and to give you salvation. When he died on that cross and he said his last words at the exact moment, that temple rip, the temple curtain ripped right down the middle. You know what that means? That means now we get to go inside. And inside is the presence of God. That's what he offers you today. Why stay in the waiting room any longer? Come on in. In salvation, there was wonder and there was warmth. And there was a great witness to help other people. That he offers us today. Or sometimes we just lose our way. Sometimes we listen to that voice that says, Did God really say? And we mess up and we fall short. And we fall into temptation and sin. But as Mike just said, we don't want to carry that any further than today. If there's something you need to give to the Almighty as part of your church family here, do that today. The doctor is in. And let's do it while we stand and while we sing. And I 